Hey, 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 and welcome back to Thoughts from the 305. I'm your host, Ana Negra, and this week we conclude our conversation on community organizing in Miami-Dade. Now, I want to make it clear that we're going to continue having conversations, and some may overlap with those of community organizing. So this is not going to be the end of community organizing. It's just going to be, we're not going to be talking about it directly, per se. This week, we have two amazing panelists that will be going over the ro- the roles and everything that comes with youth and, the, and how they're connected with community organizing. Please introduce yourselves. All right, I'll jump right in there. Um, <laughs> uh, my name is Pauline Green. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to have this conversation with you and AMC. Uh, incredibly important conversation about our young people um, and their power. Uh, again, my name is Pauline Green, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm the executive director of the Alliance for GLBTQ uh, did you want me to talk about what we do or sure yes yes i would love to know. please let the audience know how you're connected to community organizing and the work that you do in your organization absolutely so uh at the alliance we unleash the innate internal power of our lgbtq youth uh so that they may lead in their own lives and in their communities uh, we have the privilege of doing that uh, from three different uh perspectives Right, we do mental health and supportive services with our young people. Uh, we also provide leadership development opportunity for our young folks and with our young people, and then also advocacy, policy advocacy, advocacy operations. Uh, Changemakers is our youth leadership development program. We think a lot about what we'll be talking about today. Uh, we'll be around the work we do. Noise, noise. Thank you, thank you, Nancy. Hey, I'm Nancy Cermeño. I am the young parent organizer at Power U. I go by she, her, hers. Um, and Power U is an organizing and developing is organizing and developing the leadership of Black and Brown youth. Uh, we're based out of Little Haiti, um, and we work mostly in District Two because we work in um, with the school board and with Miami Dade County Public Schools. Um, demanding for changes, um, like district-wide, um, but also county-wide changes um, that we would like to see. Nice. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you, Pauline. So, and for the audience, and when I talk about youth, because a lot of folks think that just because you turn 18, that doesn't qualify you as a youth. Um, and Nancy, Pauline, you can jump in. Um, I, for the purpose of this conversation, I think of youth anywhere up to the age of 24 at least and so don't get it twisted there's a lot of transformational change that is happening um with young people and folks you need to if you need to tap back to your memory please do it is it it doesn't uh development does not stop at 18. so now i know that we have adults here speaking on behalf of youth just wanted to make it clear also that i do believe in training youth um to be protective of their you know training youth to be protective of their time and seek compensation when their testimonials are solicited your girl works for a nonprofit organization and goes to an expensive ass school so i knew i could pay anyone so here we are (laughs) but i have complete faith in pauline and nancy so let's get to it um so when i think of youth activism and organizing i get an image of parkland senior high 
and the backlash that these youth faced when demanding more gun control. These youth literally survived a massacre, where I might add there was a shitload of adult error committed, but yet they still face so much BS. What are some of the challenges you've seen your youth go through in this community? Yeah, some of the challenges I think is we we get in youth are often like the poster child of a lot of pictures. It's like everyone wants to see that young person, that teenager. I mostly work with teenagers because um, we work with high school um, who's involved and like outshines and is like able to speak in public. Um, and all of that is very like public image um, facing um, youth work. But there is so much in the background of that work. There's so many shy kids who bring the insight or coach um, the kids who might be more in the spotlight. Um, but because of that, because of that, that's the role that they often play. Um, we get invited a lot to things um, where they want us there physically so that we're in pictures. Mm. But they won't sit down with us um, and have a serious conversation about, you know, what what some of our kids are seeing and what some of our kids want as changes in the public school system. Um, it's often, you know, you're not experts, so you don't know what you're talking about. Bring your parents. Bring your parents and we'll, and we'll talk to you. Um, which can be very difficult for, to have them bring their parents. Um, but yeah, there's always that like in between that makes it uh, a challenge. And uh, the, the experience of a young person um, is not valued as much as the experience of like taxpayers and voters. Um, so that is one challenge. And we're talking to, to experts, uh, publicly elected officials most of the time. Um, we don't have that clout sometimes, right? We're not, we don't have um, 20,000 parents behind us or, or 5,000 voters behind us. Um, we just have like the true experts, but we are often not taken, um, we're not taken into consideration as that uh, most of the time. But there are people who, who do. <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you for that, Nancy. Pauline? Thanks. Yeah. Um... Ooh, I really so much of what Nancy is saying, right? It's like endemic across these spaces. Uh, yeah, oftentimes our young people are um, almost used as props, um, and uh, like as if like ceremonial um, trappings, right? Like, oh, like we're gonna have a panel and we're gonna bring the young people there and then there's like cherry picking of young people and then some coaching that may have happened um and you're wondering are these the this is this young person's experience is it even right maybe it is and are there other voices um who are not being heard um who are, don't have access um and who are more marginalized and pushed to the side and those are oftentimes the ones that we need to be centered um, and to, to speak, right? Yeah. So a couple of examples. Um, there was a panel where one of our, our young people um, in Alliance Youth uh, was seated on a panel. There were a lot of school district folks there and not just local, but statewide. This was an amazing platform for this young person. And they shared directly some challenges that they had had with getting access to support while they were um, in, in developing their GSA at their middle school. Um, and they were able to voice this experience, 
Um, but then thereafter, there were a lot of calls happening at this adult level, right? Uh, where people were like, what's that about? Can you tell us more about it? If we had known, like, can we hear more? And it, it really impact, helped, helped, made me feel like, oh, this is, I perceived it as like defensiveness on the adult side, uh, rather than being like, um, let's really investigate what was happening with that young person so that we can improve. Certainly that was going to be one of the outcomes, but there was certainly some defensiveness happening as mm -hmm. well, um, which is not beneficial uh, for our young people ultimately. Um, other things I think we have to be concerned about is um, as adults, maybe young people are experiencing some challenging things in their school setting mm. and we are approaching it in a very like um, politicized way um, so that we're not rocking the boat um, and, and maybe forgetting who it is that, who our constituency is, who we're here to work with and for, which are our young people. And as uncomfortable as that may be for administrators or some entity, um, who may be having some negative impact on our young people, that's not of our concern, right? Yeah. Concern, yes, for strategy purposes, but ultimately what the young people need is a GSA, uh, and they're not getting that for some reason, so we need to just voice the power. Um, but from a respectability standpoint, you know, some people will shrink mm -hmm. from having those difficult conversations yep. and say, well, you know, maybe if we... We don't want to upset that person because if we come in guns a blazing, quote unquote, right, then um, they're not going to want to allow us in there later to do, like to provide support services, right? And then they can just block us out and then everybody's impacted um, in that way. And yes, you need to weigh your um, way of being and your strategy, uh, but, but always with the youth at the center um, and making sure that their voice is heard. Yeah, no, y'all, y'all definitely hit on some crucial points here. Tokenism is prevalent in a lot of oppressed and marginalized groups, and it's definitely there for youth. Um, having them there, it's like, oh yeah, can we have a picture of our youth? Um, you know, and maybe they can share a little, you know, success story because nobody wants to hear about stuff that is not working. Um, and yeah, and it is it the darndest thing that there are so many a, a giant you know like the miami-dade county public school system omg oh gosh there's so many systems put into place that are quote-unquote trying to help youth right yet how frequent have y'all seen people legitimately asking the youth so what is it that you want like for real for reals what do you what do you want to do what is it that you're seeing because you can like you can have them say that but then are you actually going to follow through with it um and those are the two things like we have people that are not even asking the question what do you want and then we have folks that are like oh yeah no so all you have to do is ask them what they want and we don't necessarily have to do it because you know what they're kids their kids kids you know that they don't know any better and you're just like say what now um wait <laughs> okay um is that how you felt when you tried to speak out when you were younger because like how does that and, and i don't know miami-dade county public school systems is just 
yeah, I don't know. In my experience, you know, working at Educate Tomorrow, we definitely, you know, take the the input of our youth. Um, we have some that, and you know, later on became staff, and we try as much as possible to have them sit on these different councils. And you know, there are so many freaking youth advisory councils in Miami Dade. Like I probably know of maybe two that I think have some clout. You know, the YVAC and the yak and i don't know uh, pauline if you want to talk a little bit more on what the yvac is and some of the things that um they are tasked to do or like the advocacy portion that they play sure i can talk a little bit about that so the yvac is the youth voice action council of the homie collective uh which is really <laughs> helping our miami <laughs> Um, and it, it's our advocacy work to prevent and end youth homelessness in Miami-Dade County. So there's over 200 entities that are involved in that work uh, with Miami Homes for All, um, a dear, near and dear partner, um, and one of my former homes of employment, <laughs> uh, who's at the backbone and the lead of that work. So I tell that to say that the YVAC's work, um, which I've had the pleasure of um, co-facilitating over the past couple of years. Now I've stepped back in that role and it's led by Audrey Aragonis, wonderful, really impactful leader. Who is um, also uh, one of my palinists for first gen problems, if y'all didn't hear it. She was uh, there talking about first gen experiences. Yes, Audrey, Audrey, my double A. Audrey, Audrey, shout out. Yes, yes. As a first-gen myself, I feel it. Um, so I'll have to like check out that episode. But anyway, the work that the YVAC does is really to push to the center um, the voices of our young people with lived experience um, of houselessness and um, to push both practices within organizations that support our young people as well as policy at the county level um, and funding as well, right, um, to really center what the young people know that they need, right? What you're saying um, about, oh, you know, just have them come and talk and then you can like push it aside. Well, that's that's more difficult to do the more you really bring, they have our young people actually sitting on these boards um, and in these places and shining light, uh, not just in the uh, some homeless trust type of meeting, but also externally to the greater community. Um, so that's the work of YVAC and the importance of having them at the center because they're experts in their experience. And we're not most no. of the time. Absolutely, absolutely. And the YAC is uh, the Youth Advisory Council. The one that I'm referring to because there are so many of them um, is the one uh, from Citrus Family Care Network who are, you know, they hold a contract with child welfare. But the beautiful thing about the YAC, the, the YAC is, is these are also youth with lived experience within the foster care system. Um, and they do have a very vocal uh, group amongst them. So it's very nice to see them questioning the status quo. Um, um, and really coming together to share their experiences with the community uh nancy and I, I know that so power use is own entity and you know y'all have youth leaders that are doing the work within the community um i don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about how um the youth leadership affects the community around them like the I, and if y'all didn't 
haven't seen it if you follow at power use instagram they just had their canvassing with the canvassing I can't speak today. Canvassing a program where they just recruited their new um, youth leaders. So yeah, Nancy, I don't know if you have some stuff to say about the amazing work happening at Power U and the student leaders. Yeah, definitely. I do want to address this issue of the of trying to get youth voice in Miami-Dade County yeah. public schools first. Um, yeah, it's been a struggle. I I would say that. Um, even the even some of the school board members who really try their best to be youth focused, they always end up choosing um, those those young people that are like academically successful mm. and primed and ready to be future board members. Yes, um, which is a very specific culture and way of being and talking, which is not like the youth way. It's more like our young people are imitating adults in mm. order to be heard. Um, and those are the ones who can imitate adults the best are the ones who are best heard. Um, so, you know, I'm always like in this um, in this dilemma where I'm like, okay, I want you to, to be able to capture their attention, um, but I also want you to be like a, a young person, right? Um, and that has to like totally speak just like them um, and be okay with stuttering, be okay with messing up, um, and knowing that people are like patient with you. Um, but yeah, that is one part. We put them in a lot of situations that young people are not usually in that can be kind of intimidating. So one of those is speaking in front of the school board um, or speaking to a school board member. Um, but then there's like canvassing, right? Which is something that they might never have done before. Um, and that's when we go knocking on doors and doing surveys in the community about um, what are some of the issues that people care about the most. So our results are up on our, our Instagram. Um, and we canvassed around 5,000 voters. Um, and what I saw from the community itself, not from the Miami-Dade County Public Schools, but from everyday people living in the community, was an eagerness to support uh, young people um, and at first, you know, it's kind of like, who's knocking on my door? Who are these people? Um, but then when they hear some of the questions, people really want to address this issue. And the main thing has been like gun violence and mental health. Um, but they talk about how everyone wants to talk about gentrification too. Gentrification is like the number one thing that people are in real time facing. Like gun yeah. violence, yes, they know it happens in the community. Um, but what's constantly on month to month, <laughs> they look at their rent check and it's like, okay, gentrification, somebody new just bought this house and renovated this house. Um, it's getting harder and harder to, li to live and stay in the neighborhood. Um, and our youth are pre prepped and ready to talk to them about that. And it's just like, it's a transformative um, kind of conversation that goes on between, you know, people who've lived in these neighborhoods for a long time and then like young people who might or might not be from that neighborhood um but hearing it hearing it from people not just from some of the education that we do with them around orientation but like it's like then we say we explain gentrification we explain racial capitalism but then they see it and they hear it um coming from people in the community um so it, it kind of like is affirming that there's people out there that are with it and they know what's going on um because sometimes our kids will be like, oh, I don't want to, nobody, people don't care about this. They're not, they're not going to want to listen to me. They're not going to want to do the survey. And then they're like, 
oh my god i talked to this lady and she was like this and um you know they really are supportive of each other in that way and that's totally different than what we see at the at the school board <laughs> Yeah, I don't doubt that in the least. And, you know, Nancy, you bring up a, a great point. It is always interesting to see how many times folks highlight youth that may have succeeded, even if they hadn't received an intervention from a community, orga uh, from a community organization. So how would y'all recommend or how would y'all or if there are any examples on elevating the youth voice of those that are having a hard time um, in the crazy world that is being a teenager because we're, you know, especially with the populations that we work with, there's, you know, if, if, if the average person went back to their teenage years and thought on it, it's a complicated and a very crazy scary time where you're just trying to figure life out and even then, like, you don't even know that yes it's gonna take longer than your teenage years to figure um life out but you the hormones um socialization you know learning about the different things that are happening around you and then but you factor in the trauma that a lot of the youth that we work with go through um not everybody's gonna be you know ready to shine bright on a you know on a poster or on a campaign and that seems to be and especially with the funders, funders want to hear success. Funders want to hear, oh, this is impacting youth very well. So it's easy to market the success rates. But then when you're talking about the ones that are having such a hard time really coming to terms with their identity or coming to terms with the situations that they're living in, how do we elevate that? And what needs to change to make sure that those those youth, those young people do not fall through the cracks? I know it's a heavy question, but we need to know. I think for us, we often work on um, this principle of story of self and how your personal experience informs your success, right? So, or your ambition, or your dream, or your advocacy for a certain issue. Um, so we work on that with them. So we often hear um, some of, a lot of people in, in this work of organizing, of changing the world, of changing our orientation to being more about love and care versus, you know, consumption um, and, you know, fitting into society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this is all stuff you're already considering as a teenager, right? Like, where do I fit in? What do I, what do I see as my values, my ideals, my goals, my aspirations? Like, they're probably thinking about that a lot because mm -hmm. they're in high school and they're, you know, often um, getting ready for either a career or a mentorship or college, right? Yeah. So they're already thinking like, okay, I'm not going to go to college, I want to do this. Or they're thinking, I, I want to go to college for this. And we ask them, like, think about what it is that you've lived through that makes you um, the expert on what your, what your dreams and aspirations are. Um, so bringing that in often allows our young people to be vulnerable and say those things um, that they might have gone through um, and use them to m help them understand better where their, where their values really are and where their future really is. Um, and I think that's like one way that we orient ourselves. Um, another way is we work in groups. So 
uh, we have committees and the committees are about, I think like 12, I have only six in mind, um, but it's like 12 to six people or young people. And we practice, um, you know, we want, our, our goal is to speak publicly and, and like everyone wants, everyone claps, you know, <laughs> like we do want that. Um, so often what we do is we just practice with each other. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, it's always, you know, awkward and fumbly. Um, but through like support and coaching um, and feedback from other members, other young people who can give each other coaching and feedback way better than a professional could. Mm-hmm. Like, I just sit back and watch as they tell each other like what you need to do better, where you were good. Um, so we we don't go for the students that, um, we don't like cherry pick <laughs> students that are um, primed for this. We Some of them naturally come to us, um, but then anyone, um, we work with you. We try our best. Um, we know, we understand shyness. So there's a lot of um, overcoming shyness that is just part of it yeah nice nice thank you for that nancy uh pauline did you have anything to add sure i think for us uh we start in a place of um support right because we we are working at the micro meso um macro level Mm -hmm. and that's intentional for us and think about change and systemic change we're doing that systemic work while also doing that one-to-one micro work, um, which is at the core of, of what we do. So providing mental health, individual counseling, right, group counseling and care coordination, um, that really grounds us in in helping that young person develop, right? So your question around like, how do we ensure that our young people like don't fall through the cracks? Um, well, that's where our focus is, is helping them to working with them um, so that they can identify and stand in their own power and live as their authentic selves. So um, from there though, right, there is our um, work with support groups and then that leadership development piece. Now it's not to say that you have to go through or be an individual counseling in order to become a change maker's leader, right? Mm -hmm. That's not at all the case. Um, some folks are ju- only jumping into change maker leadership um, and doing policy advocacy work. But um, we, we find that um, the, the development of both of those pieces um, helps them to really stand forward um, and speak their truth um, and come into these spaces with the knowledge of themselves and what needs to be heard. Right, uh, but when they've so oftentimes been silenced, that takes a lot, or that takes some some good work <laughs> to do. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I really appreciate, right? What like what you're saying about you, you you can't be out here cherry picking um, and then putting these young people forward and be like, okay, they're going to like deliver what are like bullet point messages um, that we've maybe curated. Uh, rather to start with them. Start with radical imagination. Um, Teach them um, how to envision what they believe is possible and can be possible. What is the world that they want to create and then work backwards from there. Um, And our job is to help them um, create and formulate their message and then to get that out. Um, But because they're the ones that are doing, like engage in that radical imagination, then they are 
uh, definitely in a stronger position to speak it out and to speak it out more confidently. Uh, and we're not expecting them to have the like communication skills of an anchor person, um, <laughs> right? Uh, that's not realistic. But we're here to support them as they develop those skills and to like cheer them on and to let them know you're killing it. You don't have mm. to show up like somebody else. Show up like you. Yeah. No. Um. Yes. Thank y'all for that. Uh, I know that we definitely try to address. You know, we have specialized um, programming that helps us help them address their own internal struggle before they can go out you know to in, um into the professional world and we try to keep them as engaged as possible but yeah uh pauline you bring up a, a good point and nancy you you're speaking about the shyness um i don't think adults really understand the damage that can be done um you know we always have these uh, uh pinterest quotes floating around the internet oh you know about killing people's dreams and whatnot but yet we're still doing that we still do the most to silence youth we do the most to uh, you know persuade them not to move forward with their dreams and we do the most to tell them that their thoughts are unimportant. So and, and we t we're talking about these different systems um, because it's not just one system that's doing it. And there are loads of systems. If y'all look into some of the crazy shit that happens in the, you know, the Department of Juvenile Justice here in Miami-Dade County, like we do the there's so many ways that we create so much damage um and there are so many ways where we mute the the voice of the youth in our community that it's mind-boggling that we've gotten to where we're at i mean it's not mind-boggling because i mean i guess there's a reason why we're at because you know people are like oh no but we forward we're there's forward progress it's like no we're, we're pretty stagnant right now because we think that we're doing the you know we're doing the same thing over and over again yeah there's a lot more technology right now but we really need to um elevate the youth voice because we're moving slow as hell and so and y'all spoke a little bit about it but you know i want to ask the direct question so as adults and yeah i mean i put that in quotes i put adults in quotes mostly because i don't think anyone actually knows what an adult is i still have a hard time thinking of myself as an adult uh how can we use our position and our privilege to help elevate the youth voice we talk about the ways that we've helped them amplify their voices but we've also um um we'll all, we also spoke about getting them prepared but and then the different times and the different challenges that they've faced um and, and as far as getting into the space and getting into getting their voice actually heard you know that tokenism um so how do we as adults use our privilege to actually make sure that the message is being received i'll go first um yeah i think one way is, um, I think you know about this, I'm doing the uh, youth participatory action research mm -hmm. um, with some UM students, some grad students, or yeah, grad students, and um, I think giving them that opportunity to be researchers, to be experts, um, and asking them all the questions, asking them to guide us through, through what we should be asking, what we should be thinking about. Um, it can be really hard because nobody's ever done that before. 
Um, so sometimes they're just like, uh, I don't know, you know. But yeah. <laughs> um, you you keep on with it, and you're always shocked and surprised at what can come out of it um, because there's just so many things that they think about and they know um, that you would have never thought about because mm-hmm. you remember being a teenager. Um, you remember your experience in public schools if you were in public school. Mm. But Nightmare. You, it's changed. <laughs> it's changed. Um, and from our point of view, it looks like things are getting better. Um, right? Like mm-hmm. It looks like society is moving forward in certain aspects of uh, diverse, diversity and inclusion. Um, in the media, I guess, a little bit or... or just the languages that we're using for gender now, um, all of that things, all those things really push us forward, and, and young people really get it. But it's not translating um, to how they interact with each other, right? Mm. Still, bullying is very normalized. Yeah. Even if they don't have like, like, even if they're not like have bigotry um, thoughts anymore, they still kind of accept the language sometimes when it's around them. Um, but yeah, I think putting them in the center um, is is one way that we can do, one way that we can think about it, and being patient and letting them um, speak for themselves. Um, you know, sometimes they need some guidance or some questions to really spark um, their imagination because unfortunately, schools kill creativity Mm, and in the work that we do of community organizing you have to be creative um so it's hard for for my even myself right um to be able to be creative um just because of the way our society works um but i think if you do ask uh it goes a long way and you're just surprised you don't have to speak on their behalf um, you don't necessarily have to use your privilege. You just have to really pay attention mm. um, and be very curious about what they're what they're feeling and what they're going through. And don't make any assumptions. The worst thing you can do is make an assumption. Nice, nice. Thank you, Nancy. Pauline. Yeah. So, um, I think it's it's a matter of intentionality. Um, for those of us who hold power uh, and hold these particular positions, right? I'm the ED of an organization. I find myself in this position, and then I, all of a sudden, I'm finding myself myself appointed to all of these boards and, and community spaces in leadership. Um, and it's first and foremost like using your own voice uh, when you're in these spaces, recognizing adultism when it's happening. Um, and when folks are uh, demeaning, overlooking, speaking over our young people um, and children, even right, uh, and acknowledging that there's not that respect is a minimum across the board. Uh, whoever you're talking to, um, and, and our young people are no exception to that. So when I say intentionality, I mean when I'm going into a space, I know who it is that I'm I'm there for, who I work for, which are young people. Um, and that's at the top of my mind, and it should be at the top of our minds when we're in spaces. Um, not necessarily what our agenda is personally, whatever kind of advancement you're trying to do. Uh, if it's about you and your shine, you're not doing the right thing. You're not in the right place. <laughs> but, mm, yeah. Uh, it's really, yeah. But we see a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
in nonprofit spaces where it's like it becomes about shine and not about the good and the good work um, and progress uh, and liberation. So that intentionality of uh, coming into a space and it may cause discomfort for folks, um, but asking where is the youth voice? Mm. Ask the question. Uh, if it's meant to be a, a, a space about um, youth policy or policies that are impacting young people, then ask the question, where is the youth voice? Uh, ask, have you asked young people before you created this policy? Have they reviewed it even? Were they part at the root? And then if not, were they at least part of the review? Um, and also when people do say, oh yeah, well, well we can start bringing young people into the space. Um, ask them, what are they going to compensate those young people? Mm, yep. People, yep, this is, you gotta ask the question. So are you going to compensate those young people for their expertise, recognizing that it is expertise and you're gonna pay consultants thousands of dollars. You can certainly pay um, our young people um, for their time yes. and their knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. I'll also say that um, it's on the same wavelength, but it's, I, I heard this from one of my mentors, um, Amanda Andari, uh, who is the CEO of Funders Together to End Homelessness. And, and she was talking about shifting from the language of centering um, equity or centering racial equity specifically in housing is what she was speaking about and moving that and talking about leading uh, with equity. So when you're entering a conversation, you know, we've been saying for the past three years or so, right, centering, centering, and I've been really proud to like use that language myself, but this has helped me to be like, mm, push further than that, right? Like if I'm saying I center our young people um, to say I lead with our young people. So any conversation I'm having, that that's where i need to be nice yes 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 cosign everything all that it's it really is amazing how yeah thousands of dollars to consultants yet you have actual experts in the community they can tell you what's really happening and oh thanks for coming or here's a pizza party great boy um and nancy you brought up a term youth participatory action research so on the academic side as y'all know this is in collaboration with the EPSA research team i just want to um elevate that a little bit more so ypar is an um it's it's part of a whole you know with participatory action research it's a whole thing that's been developing throughout the years in where academics um it's a way where academics can bring in the experts in the community to co-research or co-author or co-part i mean just basically bringing them in on the research so that um the information is accurate because as people know people their folks like to research certain groups without actually asking asking these groups oh what is happening which you know we just like to go off of an academia there's a lot of going off of assumptions and you know nancy you mentioned it never assume with this population so there are hundreds of articles written um, by researchers that have assumed the life out of teenagers and so ypar is an effort where 
you know research uh youth are brought in on that research and you know pauline you mentioned bringing um youth in at the root this these are efforts on the academic side on bringing in and collaborating with community members to make sure that they're part of it from a through z and i'm also part of another ypar project where we're researching the housing needs of youth in the community that have um dealt with housing insecurity have had have aged out of the foster care system and or both and so these this are the research team is compiled of five researchers that are have lived experience and these youth have had like and you know honest to say because you know i don't bullshit yeah i don't know anybody who thinks that i bullshit i can honestly say we've had these people on our team from inception where we asked the question they've asked us questions they've corrected assumptions that folks may not have had an understanding of and so having that voice makes it more accurate research and so the same thing with policies the same thing with um academia curriculum that having a youth in the feedback the folks that are actually participating in the services and actively participating in what adults are facilitating that feedback is more complete when you have the the youth voice the curriculum the services are more complete when you have youth at the planning phase so i definitely wholeheartedly agree with y'all in regards to that and i do want to talk about hb1 again because and i've talked about this in the last you know couple episodes because i'm still just like really bro really we're really going there because you think about our youth they're going into um they're they're going into the they're becoming voters they're turning 18 they're you know they're getting more immersed into their civic engagement protesting everything that's happening so you're telling me that the like (laughs) it's just mind-boggling how you're willing to to charge a youth with a felony who are just trying to advocate for themselves so i don't know if if y'all want to talk a little bit more about that because i'm still just trying to process this i'm thinking about the youth that i work with um the youth that you know we collaborate on and every all the bullshit that they've had to go through and they're really just trying to amplify their voice and they're really trying to make sure that um oppressed and marginalized folks are heard yet here we got you know our governor is trying to is you know the or the florida legislator that legislature says that it's okay to charge these young people with a felony it's okay that if somebody runs through them with a car and they pass away they're not going to get charged with anything like how is that i don't know that does not sit well with me at all i don't know if if y'all want to expand a little more on that i mean i can certainly say it's enraging it's immoral it's fascist mm-hmm. uh, what we're, we're looking at here right and so you know thankfully there are already in immediacy right immediately after the thing was signed by DeSantis earlier just this week um, that you know we've, we've already got some lawsuits coming forward um, but we know that that's a whole journey in and of itself. Um, yeah, it, I mean, if I'm, I'm slow on it, it's because it's, it's still like reverberating. The considerations are, are very heavy and very real um, in conversations that we're having with our young people, right? With our change makers, leaders, um, those who developed the curriculum for our program, um, they were having conversations just 
this week about this, right? What does this mean for us? Um, while we were looking at HB 1475 and SB 2012, um, which were the um, bills in the Florida legislature, um, the anti-trans youth sports bills, um, and, and our young people facing that and being like, what can we do? What can we do about this? And us having, you know, working with them to expand their minds to be like, you can do anything that you want in terms of thinking about what's possible, right? And then we can support them. But from the standpoint of uh, HB1, right? It's like, we, we have to be sure that they understand and that we're there with them to understand that right now, um, we can't, it, it's, it's more, there's more considerations around going out and protesting the streets for all the reasons that you just shared, mm -hmm. right? Um, that, that, that there's like life threat there. Uh, and absolution around taking someone's life potentially. And so um, sharing that knowledge with them at the same time, um, knowing that we, those of us who are older, um, we're still gonna take ourselves out there, right? No one is going to silence us and that we are here for our trans for our queer youth, for our black and brown uh, And no one is going to silence us we're here to protect them. So while we may not advise them at this moment to come out into the streets and protest um, our like 15, 16 year olds at this moment, um, you know, we won't be out there <laughs> uh, to do it uh, yes. while we figure out what's next. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, you know, I mean, it does have <laughs> so many implications and uh you know you look at the way that these young people are already punished the system is so punitive um when it comes to young people especially young people of color if you you know stray outside of the, the you know the quote-unquote norm or if you don't live a typical lifestyle you're already targeted um at the the at the school level at the school level i mean um and, and nancy you can chime in with the you know some of the efforts that are happening yeah with power you and the the police and schools and whatnot so it's just like it just feels like another tactic to you know police over police young people of color young people um you know queer young people trans young people and it, it really there doesn't need to be an additional layer to criminalizing to having you know to the school to prison pipeline there doesn't need to be another level we need to start taking layers out why is it so you know and it's still logically and you know i kind of know the response to this but like i'm the part of me is still just saying it's like why is it so damn important for folks to lock up young people and then i get you know other folks saying well you know I actually had this somebody say this as far as um, uh, the Derek Chauvin uh, case. You know, he was guilty. We all knew he was guilty. It took you know, this is the, one of those rare times where a black, a white police officer is getting convicted for killing a black man. But one person was just like, well, you know, I don't see any systemic racism. It was just one asshole killing a black man, and I'm just like, um, okay what 
first of all, it wasn't just one asshole. And there are other ways in where systems are linked and um, the systemic racism, you know, the criminal justice system is one part. Other people act, you know, other systems are complacent in the over, you know, the criminalization, the over policing of these marginalized and oppressed groups. Um, and so it's just really aggravating to see even more blatant efforts you know i think the rest of the country starting to some bell finally went off um but that was because of protesting that was because we haven't let up and people are continuously talking about this so clearly someone's scared but i'm just it's still just so messed up that our youth are continuously punished because of older folk not getting over their own damn racism or the misconceptions of these different groups so it, it really just you know and i agree that first i agree i share and agree with that frustration how do you you know it's just so much it's just so much and then when you you have to uh, it's hard to get words around it because it's just it's exhausting and these young people i'm sure are exhausted as well but they're you know and we had um jackie from power you come and speak to our class and the hope that was radiating from them definitely gave me life and that hope that our youth you know they haven't been jaded yet for the most part and so that it's just very refreshing to see and that's really give you know that drives me that drives my work so yeah no no and um, I, I spoke a lot <laughs> a lot of mumbling there but yeah i i don't know if, if y'all want to jump in add a little bit more um nancy if you want to talk a little bit more about that that work the power you is doing um regarding policing in schools yeah we're definitely doing work around the vulnerability of having cops around um young people who are you know doing youth work is its own um sort of vocation that doesn't come naturally to a police officer <laughs> so I imagine that if you were a police officer and now you're what is what is called an SRO a school research officer um, you have no orientation towards youth work so whatever training they receive it's probably like this will not get you fired training mm. as opposed to this will make you a good school research officer wow um so there's that part, um, but touching on the HB1, um, you know, there's, we work with high school students, so usually some are 18, um, by the time, you know, they, you know, they graduate, um, but for the most part, they're under 18, um, but yeah, there's that, there's that where you spoke, like on being a young person is really up to age 24, 25 even, um, I know some friends, you know, they'll never grow up. <laughs> Um, and they have that youth spirit forever, but you know, uh, society asks us to, at 18 years old, um, to put us in a situation where we can um, be arrested and go to jail. Mm. Um, and at, and at 18, it's like um, you'll be in a room with a lot of adults, right? Um, be, not really being at that level yourself, um, but being put on that level because. Um, you made an, a made a choice um, that might have been um, the wrong choice, but when you're put on that level because you care about and you're showing up for your community, and then you can be arrested, um, it's just yeah, it's it's hard um, in our in our organizing space. I remember when I was um, 
when I was protesting, I was like a youth activist at one point, and I was protesting uh, the war in Iraq. And mm, damn, yeah. And I wasn't 18 yet, so I wasn't like too worried. Um, I was like 17, 16. Um, but I know when I turned 18 and I continued to do some of these actions, and I wasn't a, a citizen either. I wasn't like I'm still not a U.S. citizen. I'm a permanent resident. Um, and and that time, just thinking like, oh wow, like maybe I'm ready to possibly get arrested, or like maybe I understand that risk. Um, but will I get deported, or you know, what kind of responsibilities um, will you know will I have to take on as as a part of this risk that I'm willing to to do because I care about an issue or I want to show up. Um, and it's also really hard when. I'm, we're working from the orientation of care and of building and of human rights and equal rights. Um, this yeah. being as like the, the holder of the human rights standards and the democracy standards. And then you see stuff like this happen in Florida, a carceral state where really what it's a predatory, it's a predatory bill. Um, that's exactly what it is. I, you might want to argue for private property and protecting private property I don't know but the, the way that you're going about um, keeping um, protests peaceful is by being predatory mm. and that's not how that's not how you keep the peace um, so at, we often talk about what is it what it really means to keep peace in our society um, and when is when is it okay to grieve publicly um, or when or how we grieve publicly um, or how it's justified um, or what are the consequences like what is un lying underneath the iceberg of all of this and what's lying un underneath the iceberg of all of this is systemic injustice um, at the tip you see what's on the news um, but the news will never show you like what's underneath um, so I don't know who the supporters of this bill are um, but I wish they would try, I wish they would like, I wish we would stop trying to fix things in such a predatory way and just taking advantage of vulnerable people. Cause it feels like when you're the most vulnerable is when, um, the system is like ready to like be predatory and take advantage of your situation and most, and most likely bankrupt you, right? Like. When you have a kid, um, when you're born, right? <laughs> when you go to school, when you go to college, oh, when yes. you when you get cancer one day, um, these are all very American typical things that you know sort of span um, somebody's life. Um, and then when you're elderly, so it's like every time um, you're vulnerable, um, it's like all all the money and like any financial security you have is sort of sucked out of you. Um, and I and this bill to me is just like another way to like capitalize on on a movement. Like okay, like we can arrest all of them now and make money because mm. you know arrests do make money for the state. Like social yeah. ills <laughs> make money. Dang yeah no I hadn't even um I don't think I really spent time looking at have the link to capitalism but I, yeah I appreciate you making that connection Nancy that's 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 huge that really is because yeah uh, who's gonna benefit from a lot of folks incarcerated who's gonna benefit from the funding that comes from that the state the criminal justice system so thank you thank you for that and you brought up another good point you know when you're 
when you were um, protesting and organizing f um, in the context of the Iraqi war, I mean, I think that's a way where we can um, get folks to relate and bring them back to the struggle of being a youth. I mean, I think about the Vietnam War and everything that was going on there, the beatniks, the hippies, um, you know, everything that was happening in the 70s, the 60s, the 50s. It feels like every single, you know, there's every other decade, there's an effort done by youth and young people to bring awareness on the injustices and the miscarriages of justice you know and all the things that are not happening they're not that are not correct in this world and there's still a bunch of people saying oh my gosh you have no idea what you're talking about you have no idea what a struggle is you have no idea how to be responsible and you know just continuously continuously pushing that voice down and it's just so it's a, you know why do we continue to continue uh, you know why why is this something that do we feel nostalgic do we need to feel like you know some the the world is burning the youth are saying why is the world they're asking why the why is the world burning the older folk are like Shh, don't worry about it you have you wouldn't even be able to comprehend why the world is burning yet i live in this kind of thing so it's just so ass backwards um and you know i do want to pose the question i don't think this is something that is going to be solved uh in this generation maybe the next will make some some more momentum but is is there going to be a shift or is there do you think there will be a time um where the youth voice is actually considered the first time rather than after a bunch of different efforts to elevate their voices they're going to be an opportunity where a time where youth can just step up and be like hey this is this is happening without someone being like well you don't know any better so just sit down and shut up i say yes um and i say it loudly yes um, and, and my confidence comes from the folks who are here talking today, both you and Nancy, uh, and those that we work with, um, and the youth that are informing us um, and pushing us to be better. Um, because what's going to happen, right, and what's already happening is that we are, we are going to become the community's leaders. And it's incumbent upon us to live our values and to continue following through with what we know and what we're, we're expressing here um, and proselytizing about right here, right now, is push and center um, and lead with the youth voice. And so that will change um, because we are in the spaces and in leadership positions to make that change and to make it the priority and to make it the norm. Ashe, Ashe. Nancy? Yeah, I also think um, it's already happening outside of community organizing and youth organizing work um, in the public uh, arena where um, I think we don't see it that, this way all the time, but youth voice is actually really important and informs um, how adults uh, think, right, and how they progress. Um, in terms of being more curious, being more open-minded, being more inclusive. Um, um, and it's those young people that are able to get all that media attention 
um, and shine um, that do inspire other young people that they can do it too. Um, once you see um, people just being unafraid to be their authentic self, even in like pop music, <laughs> I think of like Lil Nas X. Um, oh yes, it it helps. It helps, and and there is like yes, there's some there's some old ways of thinking, and there's a but it actually like just fuels the fire for young people to be like, no, we actually need to keep pushing boundaries. Um, and their their way of thinking is a little it's really outdated and it's not cool um so yeah i think in that sense it's happening i just want to know how how art and like that cultural influence can really solidify especially miami days how can that become solidified into um, an organizing culture um where people do make time to work together um plan an action, um, propose solutions um, that is outside of academia or outside of like, it's my day job, it's what I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to see that more and, and doing that in collaboration with young people, like more normal, not like, oh, I'm a youth worker, that's why I work with young people. It's like, how do we make it more normal to work with young people um, on our free time? nice yes thank you thank you so much nancy um so i do you know i i asked this question of our other panelists and i want to you know how are ways where folks can potentially get involved in your organizing um efforts or are there any other efforts that you want to elevate that are happening within the community within miami-dade county that you want um, folks to know about sure um we are going to be canvassing in june and we're looking for volunteers. So um, if you want to join us in canvassing, um, hit me up at nancy at poweryou.org or check out our website and our Instagram, poweryou305. Yes, yes. Thank you, Nancy. Yes, and for us, um, you know, our change makers, those youth leaders within our organization, are looking at a campaign that they're going to be developing over the next couple of months and we want to ensure that our folks in the community are engaged in that work while it's very clear that are pretty clear right that SB 2012 um, and HB 1475 have died in this session um, the young people are like yeah but we, we can see this is coming up again likely next year and so they're already preparing to organize around this um, so, you got a support community. Uh, please do follow us on Instagram at GLBTQ Alliance, uh, and we'll be sharing more information there as this grows and develops as a movement. Yay! Thank y'all so much. Yes, I will be tagging um, both Power You and the Alliance in uh, the Thoughts from 305 IG so that y'all know and y'all have easy access to that because technology! Yay! But yes, that is it for our episode. As always, this is Thoughts from the 305. I'm your host, Annie La Negra, and I want to thank the episode, uh, you know, my fellow episode researchers for this wonderful collaboration throughout this month. Next month, we're talking mental health, so check that out and take it easy.